Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilovescbc.org. How many of you are blessed this morning? Is that amazing? Yeah. I love uh, this the choral song saying that you know God is. Isn't that amazing? As I was kind of listening in my heart together, I felt like this is God that we really honor. A lot of times we, we tend to diminish the really meaning and presence of God, right? It uh, feels like it's like a, you know, air because we have air that, you know, around us. We don't see it. I know it's really important, but we don't really, take, we don't really see this as a great importance, right? We take for granted. A lot of times we do that. We feel like the God is always with us, has opened his arms, and he's there, whatever that I do. Well, God is our Father, amen? God is our Lord. Um, when I was a teenager, probably like 14 or 15, I loved movies. How many of you really love watching movies? Um, I love all kinds of movies. I love natural disaster movies, like the big scale movie. Uh, I also love the sports-related movies, because I love sports. Baseball, basketball, football, I'm still learning the football though. But I especially love good heist movies. How many of you really love good heist movies? Okay? Like the, in a movie with all these robberies. And I love the fact that in a good heist movie, like a Reservoir Dog, or Die Hard 1988, later on, like Ocean's Eleven, there are a group of people, okay, um, that come and break into bank with a very special skill set, with amazing tool, and they crack a safe to get this invaluable stuff, like diamond, gold, and cash. What I particularly like, that movie in that scene, where this man who is fully capable, who has this perfect skill set, and he got into this safe and made drill into this safe and with this stethoscope, okay, and try to listen for perfect and right combination. Try to listen to this clicking sound. I don't even know how that works. Uh, but it was able to just open it up. I thought it was just amazing. What's really fascinating is this group of people who had this amazing skill set with this special tools and they're there to correct this safe. A lot of times, I feel like our prayer is like that, right? Feels like we have to have this very special skill set. We have to have this very special tool to be able to correct God's safe, to be able to make our prayer works. That's why we feel like our prayer is very difficult. That's why our prayer life is not really deepening. We find it extremely hard to keep up with our prayer. Feel like we need a perfect code. We feel like we need the perfect skill. Feel like we need a perfect, you know, expertise to crack God's sake. That's why I'm really excited for this series called Prayer Life. Because prayer is not like the cracking of saying amen. Prayer doesn't require perfect wording. Prayer doesn't require, you know, perfect people. Prayer doesn't require this perfect skill set with the perfect circumstance. 
Prayer is your heart. Prayer is a personal invitation. That's why we're in this series called Pray Like. My hope and goal for you through this series that you'll be able to kind of relieve from this burden of prayer. That I have to pray this way. I have to say the right. No. Prayer is you and God's personal relationship and invitation. I think the very best way to learn the prayer is learn from somebody else, right? Great man and woman in the Bible, those who are struggling or those who are having this greatest time and how they respond to those circumstances through their prayer. I said pray like because that is the very best way to learn some skill. I learned how to play guitar. Of course, I learned from the teacher all these basic skills and chords, but I learned mainly from my uncle who can play guitar really well. What I did, kind of look at and how he played, kind of mimic it and follow it. I still remember the first year of my wife, Mina, when she came here in the United States, started studying at Berkeley at the first year. She loved her teacher who was from Venezuela. You know how hard to play jazz, right? Especially all this improvisation part. And what she did, she literally transcribed all this improvisation and she tried to mimic him, mimic him. And a few years later, I can say without a doubt that she's playing better. Amen, better than him. But I think that's the very best way to learn how to play. The same way to learn how to pray is pray like somebody else who have shown a great example of the prayer. Today, my sermon title is Pray Like Apostle Paul. Everybody says, Pray Like Apostle Paul. I'm inviting Apostle Paul to our prayer lesson today. You know who Paul is? Who is also Apostle to the Gentiles. Who is the greatest prominent, a proponent in the Christian faith. And because of him, one out of three people living here on planet, they are believer of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is also the one who wrote literally half of the Bible in the New Testament. 13 books out of 27. I'm inviting him this morning to me and to you so that we can learn his prayer life. Bear in mind that, you know, I read 13 um, scriptures, uh, 13 Bibles, especially scripture portion where, it, where he talks about prayers, where he talks about all this prayer life. What I discovered, which I thought was really fascinating, you know who Paul is, right? He's a great man of God, who's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, who is probably the highest, highest intellectual man, and also most educated man ever lived at the time. Think about the you know, letter to the Romans. Think about the letter to the Galatians. All this complexity and deepened theological writings. But what I discovered, discovered about his prayer life is that his prayer life is rather simple. You see that? As if he decided not to take this path of this wrapping up about this prayer with his all knowledge and theological depth and also intellectual capacity. Rather, he decided to not to use this and plead people and take this personal approach, take this relational approach. If you ask me to summarize his all, you know, 13 books about his prayer life is a Prayer of Thanksgiving. 11 books out of 13, he began with the Thanksgiving. 
It thanked God for the people. He let them know about that, how thankful that he is. His prayer life is based on thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? The man is highly educated. The man is, you know, has the capacity and ability to really put all the structure of the prayer, can teach them A through G of the prayer. But he decided not to do that, as if he threw it away. And here's the reason why. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Jew. He knew all the rules and laws that requires the prayer according to Jewish custom. He followed that before. And he discovered, as he found a new hope in Christ, he discovered the prayer. It's not like it takes a special, you know, expertise to crack a safe. Prayer is more of a personal invitation. That's why I believe Apostle Paul is pleading rather than teaching. Apostle Paul was, you know, trying to invite people to have personal and relationship with God rather than advising and inviting them. And it also reminds me of what Jesus Christ taught. When Jesus Christ's disciple asked him to teach how to pray, how did he begin about the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, Abba, Father. My dad, that's how we begin our prayer. And I believe that is how Officer Paul started his prayer, and that's how he wanted to have his people to understand about death of prayer. Today we're actually introduced this passage, which is taken from, move on that, which is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. How many of you actually memorized this verse? Few people. We gotta do some special, you know, Bible jackpot or some things, right? To encourage you and me to continue to memorize Bible verses. This is one of the most famous Bible verses in the, Bible, in, in, in the Scripture, which talks about the Paul's prayer life. And I believe without a doubt, this is a great summary of the center and theology and heart of Paul's prayer. This is a quick quiz, a pop-up quiz for you. What is the shortest verses in the Bible? Jesus wept, right? That's the English version of the shortest verse in the Bible. You know what the Greek version of the shortest verse in the Bible? Rejoice always. Okay? All right, let's do it all together. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three simple commands. Feels like almost impossible to fulfill, right? Now, if you read in English, there are just three simple commands. You rejoice, you pray, you give thanks. But if you read in Greek, you'll find a deeper meaning that is embedded in this passage. I'm not going to give you all this grammatical lesson, but I'm just going to read what is supposed to be written in Greek. Okay? You rejoice and keep on rejoicing always. You give thanks and keep giving thanks in all circumstances. And interestingly... The, the first 17, this is what the Greek Bible says. You pray, and you yourself keep on praying. Got that? Because it actually has a middle voice in that, you know, the pray continually. I believe the what Apostle Paul says here. This is the will of God on your prayer life. Rejoice always. Joy should be the foundation of your prayer. Whatever that you pray, it is your motivation to come out of your heart. That's how you pray 
out of. And as you continue to pray and give thanks in all circumstances, your gratitude will be turning into your attitude of prayer. That's how this passes. That's how I interpret. Pray without ceasing, but that requires a foundation that is the joy that comes from our God. And when you continue to give your thanks in all circumstances, notice that it's not just for all circumstances, right? It's not just that what happened to you that you give thanks to that circumstance. No, no matter what happens in your life, in the, all circumstances, that you give thanks to God. And this habit of giving thanks, the gratitude will be turned into your attitude of prayer. So let's briefly talk about this one by one, okay? Now, rejoice always. Everybody says, rejoice always. Is that easy to rejoice always? Feels like it's impossible command, isn't it? I mean, probably easy for Paul because he's probably a spiritual master. Probably easy for these people in Thessalonica because they are probably just started their church. They're guided by the Paul and Sila and Barnabas as well. You know what happens in the church in Thessalonica? Um, they just started the church. It's a new establishment of the church. And then they are struggling a lot because the Thessalonica is kind of capital of Macedonia. It's about 200,000 people. It is a capital, no, it's a herd of these all commerces. There are so many different people. So once they found out this Apostle Paul planted this church there, and the people start coming and believing in Jesus Christ, there are high persecutions. People literally believe as they are giving up their lives. You guys ever believed in Jesus Christ, willing to take your own life? We don't do that, right? On top of that, they're also having these confusions about some of the theologies. Theologies on the resurrection, on this, how they worship, on this Christology. Within that circumstance, Apostle Paul says, rejoice always. And I believe, in order for us to find out to rejoice always, we have to understand the difference between the happiness and joy. Does that guy look like really happy? Yes, no? All right. Do you know the difference? There's a difference between happiness and joy. First, happiness is external. Okay? You're happy because of this external circumstances. You're happy because you have a caramel macchiato on your arm right now. You are happy because you were paid off. You paid off all your mortgages. You're happy because of the, all the, the blessings that you are given, this extra circumstances. But on the other hand, joy is internal. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people do to you. You're like joyful. You can rejoice because it's inside. Joy is a God's divine deposit that is into your life. Regardless of your circumstances, you can be joyous and you can rejoice. Now, happiness is also circumstance-based. You're happy because your day's good. You're happy because you cut, you, you catch a few more customers. You're happy because you got this great response of respectations and all good feelings from others, all from circumstances. But on the other hand, joy is Christ-based. Joy comes from trusting God, having this deep conviction of God who is already living in us. God 
who is the God of yesterday, who is the God of today, who is the God of forever. He is with you. That's why no matter what happens in your life, you can still rejoice. The last, the happiness is what? By chance. Tomorrow that you'll be happy, something good happened to you. More luck comes to your life, probably today and then on your way, you will be happy. Happiness a lot of times happens by chance. But on the other hand, joy comes from by making choice. Joy is a choice. Joy is something that you got to choose. That's why Apostle Paul said in the letter to the Philippi, the church in Philippians, what did he say? Rejoice. Rejoice always. Wow, Paul, that you're easy to rejoice because you've got this direct relationship with God, right? Whatever they pray, it worked. Do you know he prayed for his own health three times? And what did God say? God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's a great wording of saying, no, that's it. What if God is enough for you? Okay? Regardless of his circumstances, Apostle Paul chose to be rejoicing. While he was writing this letter to the Philippians, you know where he was? He was in prison in Rome. Roman prison. Scholars said it's been already passed by three years, and he wasn't sure what he's going to be ending up. He's probably, was high likely, he had it an executed. Think about that. The guy was stuck in this jail without any hope. And he was still saying, you know what? I decide to choose to be rejoicing. I'm here in the prison. But so what? I got to preach to this prison guard. Otherwise, I've never been able to. He was always sure to be joined. Brothers and sisters, that's why we can rejoice always. It's not about your circumstances. It is about your choice. It is something that happens that's already given in you. It is formed by the faith that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. So make sure rejoice always. The second lesson is this. Pray continually. Everybody says, pray continually. Um, older version says, pray without Pleasing. Now, probably some of you are praying, I wish I can pray without snoring or without sleeping or without being distracted, right? But praying without ceasing, again, is this an easy command? No, it sounds like it is almost important, impossible to do it, right? How in the words that we can pray without ceasing every single moment, every single second? Does that mean we have to give up everything that we do? Give up on our job, give up on all our daily routines, and kneel down in 24-7 that we have to pray? No. To understand clearly and deeply this phrase, pray continually, you have to understand this Jewish custom, okay? Um, because if the Paul is a Jewish man. You know, even though he believed in our Lord Jesus Christ, he still followed some of the customs. According to Jew, they have what they call the sentence prayer. Okay? What does that mean? That means that you have these sentences, very simple sentences. For example, thank God for it. And they take this sentence prayer into their lives. Every single day of their lives. I thank God for this meal that God has given to me. I thank God for this blessings God in economy. I thank God for this bathroom that I can go 
Okay? All this simple sentence prayer. I believe that is a reason why, because in the Jewish culture, they do not have this line and dividends between the sacred word and also secure word. That's what we do, right? We kind of separate it. There is a sacred word that we're living in the church and at home and some places. Oh, there is this whole secular word. I don't want to deal with it. It's not the what Jewish people thought. They think that all is together because God created. Amen? Both sacred word and both secular word. So they take this sentence prayer and lead by their prayers. I believe that pray continually. That means taking God with you in every situation. It's not like you have to pray 24-7. Am I praying right now? Thank you. It's a form of prayer, right? Also, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to you. It's not like you have to pray every single second. No, it is your total dependence on God. From understanding and trusting in you for His sovereignty and almightiness. Make sure that whenever that you go, taking God with you in every situation, that's what it means to pray without ceasing. Pastor, it sounds like too vague. Is there any practical ways? Absolutely, there are some practical ways. So let me just lead you guys some practical ways, okay? I hope that you remember at least the six. And this way, you don't have to really take a lot of effort and great transformation or change to do it very simply that you can do through your own daily lives. First lesson, to pray without ceasing. Begin with gratitude. Amen? Psalm 100 and chapter, verse 4 says this, Enter his gate with what? Thanksgiving. Enter his court with what? Praise. What does that mean? You begin your prayer with a thanksgiving. Prayer is not about supplication. Prayer is not about, Lord, I want this, I want that, I want this, and all together. And what are you going to give me? I'm waiting, I'm running out of my patience. No. Prayer begins with thanksgiving. How about we begin our prayer by reflecting on what God has already given you? How about this past faithfulness of God? Everything, right? Begin your prayer with gratitude. Second, pray without ceasing is what? Get real. Prayer doesn't have to be have a special form, specific form. You don't have to have to be too realistic on your prayer. Prayer is what? Conversation. If you really read a lot of Jesus Christ's prayer lesson, and if you want me to actually summarize, it, it probably says this, the prayer, the best way to pray to God is pray like little children asking things to their father. Thank God that Grace doesn't know how to ask things right now. But some of you have these little ones. Unlike that, we as a grown-up, we ask for something. Let's say that you are at work, you go to boss, and you try to ask for a raise. You don't just go to vote, Lord. I mean, the boss, you can call law. <laughs> boss, I want this raise. No, it's not going to work, right? You have to think through and filter out and consider every single circumstance of what you have done right and all the strength that you have built up. Children's not like that. They have no filter. I want popsicle. That's it. I want a dollar to buy something. That's it. There's no reason because I want it, because I need it. That sometimes should be our prayer life. Be real and get real in your prayer life. Talking to God as if you're talking to your father. Third, 
Incorporate prayer into everyday chores. I think this is by far the greatest example. Now, if you are folding your laundries, okay, this is a very practical example, you find your husband and wife on the air, and then you start praying for him or her, okay? Thank God that you have given him or her this, this great health. Whenever that you go to the market basket or a marketplace to see all these clerks, the people are working for there, make sure to take your time to pray for them. Turn your prayer into everyday chores. Use every single time. Be intentionally pray. It doesn't have to be this deep and long prayer. Simply thank God for it. Right? For pray while you're wait. I don't think anybody really praying while you're waiting for your um, you know, latte or ice americano or white mocha, right? We don't pray. We probably check on our cell phone. We probably just you know, see the other things, we think other things, but make sure that you use your waiting time. Short survey, you know, tells we are wasting about two years in our waiting time to our entire life. So we're wasting about two years in the waiting line. Every year, we're wasting about 38 hours on traffic when we commute. Use your car to turn into the closet of prayer. Pray for the people surrounding you. Pray for the lady who's probably not going as you wish. Pray that the May God will protect her and give her power. You know the, the great example that John Wesley and um, Abraham Lincoln, I believe the way they were able to become very successful ministers, spiritual leader, and then also president. And it is because they have their own prayer closet behind them, their workplace. Whenever they feel in need, constantly, it's not just a few times a day, go back and stuck in the prayer closet, just pray and kneel down. Make sure to use your waiting time to pray. And the fifth one is what? Giving up worrying. How many of you are really wasting your time by worrying things that you don't have to, right? We're wasting a lot of time just you're worrying about something. You know, when you start worrying about something, it becomes snowball, right? You start worrying about the little tiny things become bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, before you know, you find out you're worrying about the whole world. Make sure to not waste your time by worrying. God is in control. Amen? God is in power to give up your worrying. The loss is this. Stop taking, uh, stop taking once in a while. Instead, just listen. How many times that you know that you pray that way? We think the prayer is always shouting out an audible prayer. No. Listening to him is a very best form of prayer too. A lot of times, if you read Psalm, there are times the psalmist also cry out and asking God, but in the meantime, there are psalmists also enter into the sanctuary and try to have this meditation time. And sometimes I do designate your time in the morning or in the evening. And don't shout out to God because God knows. Do you know it's not that prayer works, but God works through prayer, and prayer matters. He knows all he, you need. It's just stop and think about the relationship with him and praying by listening. 
Amen? I hope in that way you'll be able to pray without ceasing. The last lesson is this. Give thanks in all circumstances. Everybody says, give thanks in all circumstances. Philip Watson, a professor of psychology of Eastern Washington University, he conducted a number of lessons on happiness. Like how people can be happy. What are the factors and circumstances that makes people happy? And one of the studies that was done was the relationship between happiness and gratitude. Thanksgiving. Many of you probably understand this way. If I'm happy, I'll be grateful, right? If I'm given something, if I have a higher education, if I get a better car, better house, better husband and better wife, I hope you're not, think that way. But if you have this better stuff, then you'll be happy, then that will lead you to be grateful heart, then you can give thanksgiving. According to the study, it's exactly opposite. You cultivate the mind of thanksgiving, then you can be happy. Amen? You have a habit of saying thank you. Thank you, God, for this daily chore. Thank you, God, that I have a car that I can just get in to go to work. Thank you, God, that you protect me on the way. Thank you, God, that you get me to work to this place. Uh, thank you, God, that you help, you, you give me this, this you know, rouse, rouseable so that I can be always be attentive and mindful, that I can do my job well. And you can give thanks to every single circumstances. And when you do that, you'll be able to cultivate happiness. Amen? Now, if you give your thanks to God in all circumstances, as I said, not for circumstances, in all circumstances, I believe what's happening in your life, okay? A lot of things before in your, mar- in your mind and heart, before was inwardly. If you start giving thanks to all circumstances, that transform from inward to upward. Got that? If you start having a habit of giving thanks to the Lord, and it will become the habit of start from inwardly always about my prayer, it also has going to upward in your life. That is the power of giving thanks in all circumstances. Let me finish my sermon today. We learned today about the prayer, the Apostle Paul's prayer life. One thing that I can assure you, it is simple enough that we all can do that. Amen? Amen? It doesn't take a lot of your technicality, theological background, your knowledge and information to do this. No, it all takes is your heart. Make sure to have this foundation of joy by rejoicing always. It's not about happening by any chance. It's not about circumstances. It is by choice that you choose to be rejoicing. When you have the foundation of the joy in your prayer time, that you continue to pray without ceasing. And then make sure that you cultivate this gratitude until that is going to be added to your prayer. If we can do that, I believe that we'll be able to pray without ceasing and pray like Apostle Paul. Now, have you ever heard this RPG? Role-playing game. Have you ever played that before in your life? Like in the cyber world, that you can be the knight, princess, 
king, you know, richest man in the world, that you can just play and continue to build up your level. You can become someone like different one, right? The one that you always wanted to be. Remember, if you want to be the prayer warrior, if you want to be a different person, remember this acronym, RPG. Let's read it all, pray. Let's read it all together as we finish. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. My Father God, Lord, we learned today to pray like Apostle Paul. One thing that was really fascinated by from the lessons of Apostle Paul, it's not like we take a lot of special skill sets or special tool or listen for specific things or to find the perfect combination code to be able to unpack or crack the safe of God's blessings. Rather, it takes personal relationship. Rather, it takes personal reliance upon God. Rather, it takes personal dependence upon Him. We learn today, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks to all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you and me. Lord, continue to guide us and bless us as we live our life. The life of prayer that has been shown through the Apostle Paul. We pray all in our Savior's name. Amen.